You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is going on, Bills Mafia? It's another week and the Bills are still alive in this playoff chase, the Super Bowl chase. Uh, It's a big one this week, guys. Bills versus Chiefs, round three. We have a lot to talk about. uh, I'm joined by Uber from Cover One. Uh, he, you know, he's at cover one, does a lot of stuff for Reddit. He writes a lot of like, if you want to know who the bills like down the stretch need to lose per se to get in the playoffs and help them advance. He writes great articles there. And he also does Cuba, which is like a, his own, like kind of quarterback grading system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uber, how are you doing? And maybe just talk a little bit about what you do and then, uh, you know, how are you doing today? Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on. Always love talking football. Um, yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, right? So right for cover one. Uh, right, basically a matchup preview every week, which is a 3,000 plus word behemoth cover, trying to cover as much detail as I can about the Bills and how they match up with their opponent. Uh, on Reddit, like you were saying, I write a rooting interest post every single week. I've done that since 2019, telling you who you should root for and against um, and kind of rating games on scale. Uh, and then the last thing you mentioned, yeah, Cuber, my uh, my quarterback statistic. Uh, I, I use it. I like it. Not everyone even knows it exists, obviously. Um, but I wanted to find a way to essentially prove that Lamar Jackson's MVP season in 2019 um, was, was deserving of the MVP because most of our quarterback statistics we look at right now don't include rushing mine does um so yeah i do a little bit of everything uh when it comes to the bills uh and i always love hopping on podcasts and vidcasts and stuff because talking about football is one of my favorite things to do so looking ahead here and thank you for all that uber um we'll, mm-hmm. we're gonna look at a lot today we're gonna talk about this bill steelers matchup where the bills are able to advance we'll look at the injury report maybe a little mvp conversation here from uber who's been a big advocate for uh you know Allen is an MVP front runner candidate just because if you if you check him out on Twitter at Uber Hansen, A or U B E R H A N S E N, if you're listening on audio, um, that is his Twitter. He does a lot of good stuff on there as well. So Bill Steelers, injury reports, some MVP talk, talk about Fournette and Matt Hack, like that kind of dynamic. And then we'll uh preview this Bills versus Chiefs game. So let's start Uber with this Bills versus Steelers matchup. The Bills win 31-17. The Bills started, you know, out. Out strong, very strong. 21-0 lead. Steelers late in the second quarter added a touchdown to, to make it 21-7, where you know Tyler Bass kind of had that field goal blocked there at the end where Sam Martin kind of pulled up and looked like he got sniped from the stadium with the way. I mean, it, it looked it looked painful. Um, so early thoughts. I want to talk about the two big plays to start. And just like your, I wanted to see like your live reaction when they happened, if you were like at, at the game around, you know, like watching on TV. Was the Josh Allen 52-yard touchdown run where the fake slide that everyone's talking about, which is clearly, you know, not the case. Uh, and then also the Cleo Shakir, like break dancing, staying on his feet and getting into the end zone. Just talk about those two plays and just kind of how that, and they, they were kind of both big plays, like 14, nothing mm-hmm. Josh Allen, third down, got the, you know, scored a touchdown right there, 52 yards. And then Cleo Shakir, you're, you're looking to make this a two score game late in the fourth quarter. If you don't score, I mean, you're in field goal range, so you're assuming the bass can, now one, but with his struggles recently, 
Um, that's yeah. been not like 100%. So it was a big play by Shakir, yards after the catch to get the touchdown to move it to two scores to make it 31 17 late. So just talk about those two plays. Yeah, I mean, so we'll start with the Josh Allen rush. Um, and, and first off, obviously not a fake slide. I, I don't even, I shouldn't be surprised that that narrative has come up when Josh Allen makes a big play in the playoffs because what other way can we discredit him um, other than make up some weird story about how he fake slides? Uh, there was a user on Twitter. I don't remember the user's name. I wish I did. You could probably find it if you look hard enough. Uh, tweeted out a video jokingly saying, here's all of Josh Allen's fake slides over the years. And it's the same exact juke move over and over and over again um, that he's done his entire career. That's picked up extra yards. It's not a fake slide. That being said, I... I wasn't surprised when Josh ran that touchdown, um, but at the same time, I should have because I believe the longest run of his career. It's just crazy that a guy that's his size and like he's very athletic, but he's not faster than most cornerbacks in the NFL. And he hit that hole, trucked a dude, and then ran it all the way in, outran the entire Steelers defense. That was just a phenomenal, phenomenal football play by a, by a player who's arguably the best dual threat quarterback of all time. Um, and then you go to the Khalil Shakir touchdown. I, I, I honestly think that that was the more impressive play, right? And coming into the season, I was kind of outspoken about Khalil Shakir saying that I was fine with him as a depth piece on the Bills roster, but I really didn't see much upside to him as a consistent performer. I thought, hey, if the Bills outside receiver gets hurt or one of their slot guys gets hurt, Khalil Secure is a great backup plan to slot in there. But is he a wide receiver too? Not in my opinion. Well, I'm being proven wrong now. <laughs> He's been so good down the stretch here. And that play is just something that we really haven't seen happen on a consistent basis in Buffalo. For the most part, it's Josh hitting his guy, his guy maybe picking up two yards and then getting tackled. Like Yak has been a constant conversation. We don't have Yak in Buffalo. That's not a thing, partially because of Josh Allen. But when you have a player like Khalil Shakir right there who very clearly should have gone to, like any most wide receivers go down. He doesn't, he stays up, keeps his feet, accelerates, still goes through contact, scores a touchdown. Like that's the yak we're missing to a point now where I'm looking at the Bills offense and it's kind of when you get into the playoffs, it's peak at the right time, right? That's the whole goal of every team because that's how you win a Super Bowl. With Khalil Shakir now slotted in as maybe the Bills wide receiver too, even if Gabe Davis is healthy. Maybe they're peaking at the right time, and maybe their offense is becoming more dynamic because of a player like Khalil Shakir. Yeah, and they're doing it without Gabe Davis, which, again, I, I've seen some. Chris Trapasser from CBS Sports had a clip talking about how the offense is almost better without Gabe. I, I see there's a lot of conversation about that, and I, I understand where Craig Trapasser is coming from. He's you know he's really good at what he does, so I always respect his opinion. So he had, he has a couple of good points about Gabe Davis's absence kind of helping out this Bills offense. And, again, I think in ways it has, you look at, again, like, we're talking about now, Cleo Shakir has really stepped up for this team. He's been a yards after the catch guy all year. Like, I forget exactly the team they're playing and blanking right now, but he took that one, uh, probably like an 80, I don't know how far it was, but a long touchdown to the house. Oh, yeah. like, you know what I'm talking about? I forget who it was against, but he made a great play and got a bunch of yards after the catch on that play as well. So he's been doing it all season. Josh Allen, uh, you know, first play in NFL history with 40 straight, uh, 40 plus touchdowns, four straight seasons. So he's again just, Another, like I keep mentioning it, there's all these things that Josh Allen can do. Um, for, like you said, Uber, dual threat. He can run, he can pass, mm. he can really do it all. I want to talk about Allen's performance specifically in this one. 21 for 30, 203 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and then eight carries for 74 yards and one touchdown. So just short of 300 total yards, four touchdowns. I think he joined some elite company, joining Dan Marino and Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs with three games of four touchdowns and zero turnovers or zero interceptions in the playoffs. So just talk about Allen's performance 
do you think do you expect that to continue here moving forward? And you have you seen enough from Josh Allen where you're like, this guy plays his best football come January? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, last year's playoffs, he did not play well. I, like, honestly, he did not. That Dolphins game, he was pretty bad, that Dolphins game. And had it not been for the defense, in my opinion, I think the Bills get bounced in the first round of the playoffs last year. And then the Bengals game, it just wasn't anyone on the Bills, um, you know, roster's game. Like, they just were kind of out of juice. Credit to the Bengals for for beating up on the Bills, and, and Josh didn't play a great game there. That being said, Josh is still historically one of the best-performing quarterbacks in the playoffs. And I think that last uh, week's game, against the Steelers kind of reminded people of that. And I know people will say it was the Steelers. They didn't have TJ Watt, blah, blah, blah. Like that's still a really good defense. Them not having TJ Watt is massive, but they also got back Minka Fitzpatrick, which kind of offsets that a little bit, not completely, but it does offset the loss of Watt. Josh absolutely carving up that defense, both through the air and on the ground was extremely impressive to watch. And I would argue the most impressive quarterback performance of a weekend that still saw CJ Stroud and uh, Jordan Love be absolutely phenomenal and blow my mind with how good they were. Yeah. This is what Josh does in the playoffs. This is what Josh does in big games. This is what Josh does in primetime moments is he just dominates. And when you have a player like that, it doesn't matter the discrepancy in talent. If you have less talent than another team, whether that be due to roster construction or whether that be due to injuries, if you have Josh Allen on your team, it can offset all of that and it gives you a chance to win every single week. At the same time, I constantly argue that Josh, as much as he gives you a chance to win every week, he also gives you a chance to lose every week because sometimes the turnovers are completely boneheaded and can cost you a game like they did in week one. But right now, Josh is kind of on a heater. And I think that the end of that Miami game, what he said was extremely important. He said, the ball is coming out of my hand, uh, you know, better than it has all season, paraphrasing, obviously. And when you watch that Steelers game, there was maybe one throw where it wasn't great. He was trying to fit it over a defender. I think this is Von Diggs in the end zone, got kind of tipped, almost picked off. And then I think it was the subsequent play was the block field goal. Um but Josh, he was absolutely phenomenal. And he actually should have, I think, had another touchdown. He That Dalton Kincaid pass was incredible. That got tipped, I think, by Landon Roberts. Uh, so just the game itself, his statistics were, were phenomenal. But I think the way he played was even better than the statistics suggest. If he can carry that momentum into a game against the Chiefs, who have a comparable defense to the Steelers, also considering the fact that they're healthy, the Bills have a legit shot not to just to beat the Chiefs, but going to run all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm, you're spot on with that. Another cool fact about Josh, he uh, has the most combined passing and rushing touchdowns over the last five years with 202. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is second with 170, and nobody else is higher than 151. Shout out to Ian Hard, Harditz on Twitter with that. Uh, you know, stri- straight facts from him. And, you know, it's kind of funny, Uber, like with those numbers leading the NFL in total touchdowns the last five years, zero MVPs. He missed the Pro Bowl the last two seasons. Never named to an AP All Pro first team. Uh, the only the only uh, All Pro he was named to was 2020. He was second team honors, but he did get the Madden cover. Uh, I put that tweet together. So <laughs> at least he at least he did that. Uh, but yeah, just an, a, a, another great performance from Josh, and I'm you know really impressed with him as we continue to move forward here. Let's look at 
this receiving unit. And I, and I want to talk about three guys here. Um, Don Kincaid, three catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown in this one. I thought he, again, just continues to become more and more important to this team as the year's gone on. Deontay Hardy, uh, one catch for 34 yards. I want to talk a little bit about that. And then Khalil Shakir, the three for 31 and a touchdown. We already talked about him. So Dawson Knox, the one for nine and a touchdown. He's just been like a playoff kind of merchant touchdown guy for the Bills. So talk about Kincaid, his performance, what you thought of him. And then I think Deontay Hardy really showed some explosion on that play on the outside of the boundary, able to get up field, pull off a couple of juke moves, get some extra yardage. And then Dawson Knox, again, he scores touchdowns. His, his production's down this year, but he scores touchdowns. And he's probably arguably one of their best red zone throws. Yeah, so so starting with Dalton Kincaid, I, I mean, he's had an incredibly impressive rookie season, obviously, and I, I think I constantly have to remind myself that he's a he's still a rookie, right? Like he still has a little bit of uh, rookie playing in him. A couple mistakes or a couple spots where you're like, I wish he kind of slowed down his route, forced the defender to run into him. That specifically talking about on that touchdown, he does that. You know, as a veteran here in three four years, he will do that, and he'll end up scoring a touchdown in plays like that, and. It, a little bit of a case of the dropsies, like not consistently and not on easy balls. Um, but there was one play, I think, this week where it kind of hit him in the hands. It would have been a difficult catch, but one you you expect a player of his caliber to have. But all that being said, he really is the Bills wide receiver too, whatever you want to call him. You want to call him tight end? You want to call him a wide receiver? Hell, you could call him a running back if you want to. He's still the Bills' second-best option through the air. Um and he's going to become more and more important as this season goes on and as we, the Bills go into next season. He he is kind of their guy, and I think the Bills are finding new ways to use him, right? They're using that seam a little bit more with him. They're not just using him in the in- intermediate, which is kind of ex- opening up the entire offense, especially with teams kind of looking at Stephon Diggs' production and saying maybe we don't need to double him as much as we used to. And as teams start to do that and Josh starts to see that, now that opens up Stephon Diggs. So the gravity that Dalton Kincaid provides to the Bills is is more important, in my opinion, than necessarily the statistical production. He's keeping defenders keyed on him, uh, and you can't really talk enough about that. Then we, you, like you said, we already spoke about Cleo Shakir, and then there's Deontay Hardy. So he's a little bit of an enigma to me. He's so good in the open field. Um, that's why he was an all-pro punt returner or kick returner, one of those two in 2019. I'm trying to remember all those yeah, off the top the of my head. Yeah, punt. Yeah, punt. yeah. And I think you saw a little bit of that open field explosiveness here in this in this last game on his one reception. He caught the ball, kind of found some lanes, got through. He might have been able to get a touchdown there. I think if he stayed inside, he didn't try. He instead went outside. But I think the Bills need to kind of find a way to use him against the Chiefs. I think uh, the Chiefs will have a really good game plan against the Bills, especially with Spags' history against Buffalo. If they can find a way to kind of force the Chiefs to focus on Dalton Kincaid and Stephon Diggs, they should find ways to get the ball to Hardy and Shakir and Knox. And Knox, like you said, is a great red zone target, especially in the playoffs. I don't know why he's always open in the playoffs, but he is. I think that the Hardy addition, the Hardy fear from just that catch alone should keep teams thinking about him a little bit, and that could be important the next few weeks. Yeah, I like I like what I see from Hardy. Not that I gave up on him at one point, um, but he was just even in the punt return game. I didn't really see much explosion from him uh, at, at times. I just thought he struggled a little bit. You're right about Don Kincaid. He does you know open up things for other players. I think Diggs on that Josh Allen heroic play where Diggs got the first down, um, where he kind of rolled out. Oh, yeah. if, if Allen saw Kincaid over the seam there, 
that he could have fit one in there and that could have been a big game. But Allen still made his play and, you know, found, the, found Diggs to move the chains there. And like you said, the Dawson Knox drop, I felt like that got them out of a rhythm a little bit. Like that was the first play, the first half. They probably came out. They probably like, we're going to draw this up. RPL, this is going to be the play we're going to go to. And Dawson Knox couldn't come down with the football. So mm-hmm. there, there was that drop there as well. I know you mentioned Kincaid's drops at the times, but Dawson Knox has also struggled with yeah. his hands and points and, and at times. So all in all, Bills win. They move on. They take care of business. No TJ Watt for the Steelers. Definitely helped, like you mentioned previously, Uber. And then, I mean, this Bills this Bills team is on a roll. Uh, I n- Nothing really more to say than that. Six straight wins. Uh, James Cook, 18 carries for 79 yards in this game. Ty Johnson getting a little more work, eight carries for 26 yards. So he, I think, continues to get more involved. And I know we were speaking before the show. We both want to see him kind of slide into that running back two role. So let's move to some news this week. Sam Martin, like I previously mentioned, hurt himself uh, on that blocked field goal trying to chase the uh, special teams player from the Steelers down and kind of pulled up on his hamstring, holding it. Looked like, you know, obviously you have a hamstring pull. Everyone probably in the stadium knew that right away. Do you, you know, Matt Hack, the Bills signed him. He's had history with the Bills in 2021. He was their punter. Uh, he he he's a vet. He's and I know there's a holding part to this where the comfortability with Tyler Bass and Matt Hack holding for him will also come into play here. And then just your thoughts on that because in order to bring Hack in, they need to release Leonard Fournette, the veteran, the big name kind of guy that a lot of Bills fans were probably excited about. But I just didn't really think amounted to anything. I think Latavius Murray mm-hmm. and him are kind of interchangeable, and we spoke about that prior. Yeah. Um... I, I, I'll, I guess I'll start with like the Leonard Fournette discussion and, and I'm with you. I mean, I think his name is more important to a lot of people than his talent and production at this point in his career. The name people still remember him from I believe, LSU, unless I'm somehow wrong about which college he went to when he was absolutely trucking people on a consistent basis. He's just not that player anymore. Um, and he was on the Bills practice squad for a reason because they could kind of stash him there and use him if they needed him. At this point, with all the injuries that have piled up, the Bills need to bring up specific players. They don't need to bring up Leonard and Fournette at this point moving forward. They're going to need to bring up A.J. Klein. They might need to bring up Matt Hack so, or Hawk. So when you have a player like Leonard Fournette and the practice squad uh, you know, rules, for instance, you can only bring up two players a week. You can only have six vested veterans on your roster. You can't use Leonard Fournette in maybe the way you want. So releasing him was the obvious decision here. And I just don't think it was a big deal or as big a deal as people are making it out to be. I do think that this punter situation is a big deal. I think Matt Hawk is okay. Um, and I kind of tweeted this out. He doesn't need to be all pro for the Bills <laughs> if they need him to play. He just can't be, oh no, you can't have a punt that goes 15 yards against the Chiefs. You can't have a blocked punt. You can't have a dropped, you know, um, extra point, you know, while he's holding. So with a player like him that has veteran experience, has experience punting in Buffalo, albeit not at points the best, you know, uh, production from him. I think I like this move. There's no one else they're going to go get. I know the Bills Bills fans were kind of harping on a specific player from a specific draft from a few years ago. He's just not coming to Buffalo right now. Like that's not going to happen at this point in the season. Um, I like the Matt Hack move. Like it, it gives the Bills a legit option if Sam Martin's hamstring, you know, isn't ready to go comes come Sunday night. And honestly, like I pulled my hamstring multiple times, actually pretty bad at points. It doesn't heal in the week. Like that's just not going to happen. And when you have to plant or kick with your with those legs as a punter, I have no idea how he's going to be able to punt in that leg. So I'd expect Matt Hawk to be on the field. Right, and it's Hawk, not Hack. Right. 
I, I think so. I think it's I Matt Hawk. Okay, it's Hawk. Okay, just moving forward so I know that I'm not pronouncing it Hack. I'm not 100%. I'm not 100%. Okay. Um, moving forward here, I want to talk about, and I'm going to give you the floor for this one, because I've, hmm. I've talked about it on my shows before, and I've given some statistics and facts and talked about why Josh Allen, I think, deserves MVP. You can go, you know, obviously, I think he's the most valuable person to a football team in the NFL. Hmm. I think he's the most valuable player. So just talk about... I want to hear your kind of, you know, if you're if you were going to meet some random person and you saw him on the street and you're like, they're like, who's the MVP of the NFL? Like, give me your like total pitch to why you think Josh Allen is the MVP of the NFL. Yeah. So I, I'll start by saying this. I'm resigned to understanding and realizing that it's going to be Lamar. J. Like he's going to win the award this year. Do I think he should win the award? No. Do I accept that he's going to win it? Sure. Uh, I think one thing that bothers me that I think a lot of people look at when they think MVP is they say it's the best quarterback on the best team. That that makes no sense to me. That That's so insanely ridiculous of a way to evaluate um, you know, you know, the, the MVP award, I think it should be more, who's the guy that was able to carry his team, or you could say who was the best player this year. Those are the two options you truly have. And in both cases, I argue that Josh Allen's the guy. So a couple really, really simple things here. So I, I think there's three legit candidates for MVP. I think there's Josh Allen. I think there's Christian McCaffrey. I think there's Lamar Jackson. You could say Brock Purdy. Some people would say Dak Prescott. Some might even throw in Tua Tango-Vailoa or Tyree Kill. If Tyree Kill hit 2,000 yards, we'd have a different discussion about that. But I don't think that those guys are in it. So CMC, Josh, and Lamar. So I look at those guys and I say, who's the guy that carried his team most? And I, I really don't even think it's 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 a question. The Ravens' defense was legit this year. I mean, they were freakishly good, and Lamar was very good this year. But Lamar only accounted for 53% of his team's touchdowns. Compare that to Josh. Josh accounted for 81%. Josh was literally the Bills' only option at points on the one or two or three-yard line where the Ravens could hand the ball off to Gus Edwards. People use that as a knock against Allen. They say, well, yeah, Allen, you know, he's, he's vulture. His, his team or his running backs touchdowns. I look at the exact opposite. This is the only way they can score those touchdowns. As the Ravens, though, they can hand it to Gus Edwards. They don't need Lamar. In fact, when they use Lamar on the one, he usually gets stuffed at the goal line. So you look at things like that, and I say, well, there's more value uh, for, for Josh compared to, to, to Lamar. If you look at uh, Christian McCaffrey, one crazy thing is this isn't Christian McCaffrey's best year of his career. Like that's something I feel like people are missing. In 2019, he had about 2,400 yards. This year, he had 2,000. In 2019, he had 19 touchdowns. This year, he had 21. So they're, they're basically the same level year. And I don't remember in 2019 us really harping on the idea um, that CMC should have been MVP. Interestingly enough, that's the year that Lamar won MVP. <laughs> uh, and then the last part. So one thing I always argue is what's the talent around you? Like, do you, are you elevating the talent around you? Is the talent around you elevating you or is the talent around you kind of keeping you in check where you should be? So people want to use all pro as a thing, right? And, and in the past, I used to use all pro all the time. I thought it was a great, you know, measure of how talented a, a player was this year. I, I don't know what the hell's going on. They, they completely goofed up this all pro team to a point where the only bills, all pro player, player was Teron Johnson, who was a second team, all pro. That's fine. The bills had one, all pro one. So Josh is on a team where he has one all pro. He put up 44 yards. He carried his team to the number two seed, or he had 44 touchdowns, carried his team to the two seed, had over 4,500, like a phenomenal year and got them the two seed. So Josh is extremely important. 
Now, how about Lamar? Well, Lamar has five all pros on his team. How about CMC? He has six all pros on his team. Those are outside the fact that Lamar and CMC both won all pros. So just leading his team to the two seed, while those other teams did lead their team to the one seed, he's doing it with supposedly, per the Associated Press, less talent around him. I really don't know how you argue that the most valuable player the one that's the most valuable to his team or the most valuable in the NFL isn't the guy that was able to carry his team to home field advantage nearly throughout the playoffs, just shy of the one seed with literally one second team all pro on the defensive side of the ball. Like Josh is the MVP. I I don't think it should be debated and it won't really matter because the award's going to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I, I kind of like after he beat the Niners, uh, after the Ravens beat the Niners, I was yeah. kind of like, yeah, this is this this award's going to go to Lamar. I just had that feeling. But again, I was like, well, maybe if Josh, you know, goes off. And I think also the fact that the Cowboys game did hurt his case just because, it did. you know, mm-hmm. Cook had over 200 yards and Allen had under 100 yards passing. And I think there was another game in there that he didn't really put up that great of numbers. So down the stretch, I think there were a couple games there where, we, I was kind of the of a thought that if Josh Allen, you know, does his thing and goes off, you know, 300 total yards a game with a few touchdowns. Yeah, he had 94 yards and a touchdown against the Cowboys, only completing 46.7% of his passes. And then two weeks later, uh, played the Patriots on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. and completed 50% of his passes for only 169 yards. So that's kind of where I think he lost it. And then when the Ravens, you know, kept winning, that's kind of where that you know, it went to Lamar. And I also think, you know, Lamar's won it before. I think there's also like a, like not more of a popularity, but I think knowing how like Lamar with the whole contract situation and like, I think that all kind of like subconsciously plays a role into it with like how he was kind of like treated in Baltimore. Now he's back. They kind of got him help with OBJ and Bateman and say flowers and Mark Andrews. So he's got like all these guys and they're kind of building around and all in on Lamar Jackson. And he's again, he's proving himself that he can, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's still a lot of doubters on Lamar. I still think there is. And I think he's proven to a lot yeah. of people that, just like Josh, I mean, there's doubters for all the greats, right? Like, that's how. Yeah, Lamar is, like, let me just be honest here. Like, I, all that I just said, like, Lamar is incredible. And I, I've always thought he was incredible, like, since 2019. And I think a lot of people kind of went downhill on him after the past two years. But he played well when he wasn't injured, like, legitimately very well, to a point where I really didn't see a reason to ever pull him outside the top five of the quarterback conversation. You had some people saying he was, like, the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. Ridiculous things like that. That's insane. Um, I, I do have one, one last point between Lamar and Josh where – you made a good point. Like down the stretch, Josh had a couple games where you're like, ah, you know, he mm-hmm. didn't really win it for the team. There was other ways they won it. And then you have Lamar's last game that he played this season, which was against the Dolphins, where he went for, you know, 300 and what was it? 356 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. Like he had a phenomenal game against the Dolphins. The one thing that does bother me, though, is people forget about the entirety of the season, which is what the MVP award should be based on. You know who else had five touchdowns in about 350 <laughs> yards against the Dolphins? Josh Allen in week four. Like, yeah. So we're, we're just creating this idea like where the Ravens boat raced the Dolphins, where it's like, oh, no one else did that to them. It's like, 
Josh literally did basically the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, Lamar's going to win the award. It's going to be a second MVP. Good for him. It's insane to me that Josh Allen didn't make the Pro Bowl. Like, what are we doing here? And he then didn't make the All-Pro team when he was arguably the best player in the NFL. Yeah, and it's funny, too. We were like, Lamar um, – I, I know MVP does not talk about postseason success. Mm-hmm. But Lamar Jackson is really and, – and I think there's pressure on both of these guys. Maybe we can – yeah. maybe we'll sidetrack here and talk about this because I maybe I do want to talk about this. Kind of who do you think who has more pressure on them going into this playoff, like kind of run here? You got the Ravens going up at the, against the Texans at home uh, on Saturday at 430, and then you had the Bills against the Chiefs, Josh Allen. Both of these guys have yet to do it. They've yet, you know, Lamar's yet to get past the division around. Uh, Josh Allen has made it to an AFC championship, but that was in 2020, and then they've kind of regressed per se since. So who has more pressure on them from a legacy standpoint going into the playoffs this year, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? Yeah, so it so it's pressure in different ways, um, and I and I like the way you kind of phrase that. Who has more pressure on them from a legacy standpoint? From a legacy standpoint, it's Lamar Jackson. Uh, I I mean, I know he'll have two MVPs, at, at, you know, later this month or whenever that award's handed out, and Josh has zero. So in theory, Lamar has a better legacy right there than Josh does. But Josh has also won games in the playoffs almost single-handedly, and he's been dominant and a force in the playoffs. That's like I said earlier, historically great. Lamar's been bad in the playoffs. I, I'm not just saying he's he's hasn't been good. He's been legitimately bad in the playoffs. If he goes up against this Texans team as the one seed for the second time in his, in his career at home in Baltimore on rest with a healthy Ravens team, maybe Mark Andrews coming back against a Texans team that is good, not super great in my opinion. C.J. Stroud playing very well, though. If he gets out dueled by C.J. Stroud, let's say Lamar has a so-so game. Let's say he goes for 200 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and a and an interception. And C.J. Stroud goes for three touchdowns and interception. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. If the Ravens lose this game, now the narrative continues that, yeah, Lamar's a really good quarterback in the regular season. He, he's not just really good. He's great. He's historically great. But he can't win the playoffs, so what's it matter? Where Josh, on the other hand, say the Bills lose to the Chiefs, right? That's that's the, the negative for Josh this week. <laughs> it isn't that Josh can't win in the playoffs. It's that he can't beat arguably the greatest quarterback of all time in the playoffs. And, and that's a huge knock to Josh, but the argument can still be made. Josh can win in the playoffs. He has, and he's beaten Lamar in the playoffs. So I, I think that from a pressure standpoint, it has to be Lamar Jackson. It, it doesn't mean that there's not pressure on Josh. There's way more pressure on Josh on Sunday night than there is on Patrick Mahomes. I can tell you that much. But <laughs> when it comes between Lamar and Josh, it's, it, Lamar has so much pressure on him. And I don't think enough people are talking about that. Yeah, I think it's also say like, I mean, I guess the Ravens probably as a team have a lot of pressure, but I think the Bills mm. as an organization, going into this game against the Chiefs team. Like, I yep. think there's a lot – maybe there might be more pressure in that instance. But, yeah, Uber, you're right about these playoff stats for Lamar Jackson. Uh, in four career games in the playoffs, completing 68.3% of his passes, 900 yards, three touchdowns, and five interceptions. I don't have his rushing stats with me, but that's his passing stats, 900 yards, three touchdowns, five interceptions. So that's bad uh, for Lamar. So, th- I mean, this is right. You are you are right. This is a big postseason for him, and we'll see here moving forward. I always ask my guests random questions that I surprise you. And I kind of guess I did, but I wanted to do it real quick just because we're on the topic of these other playoff kind of matchups. Who do you have winning in these other three matchups quick before we preview this Bills Chiefs game? Uh, It's the Ravens versus the Texans. It's the uh, Mm. Niners versus Packers. And then the Buccaneers, who 
upset the you know <laughs> the Eagles that are just absolutely <laughs> fell off a cliff uh, travel to Detroit. So who do you got in those three matchups? Yeah, I, I mean, this is going to be kind of not a lazy take, but like an like I'm going to pick the favorites in every game just because I, <laughs> I think they're way more. Ta- the only team I'm concerned about, which is interesting that we just discussed this, is the Ravens. I, I think that the Ravens are the best team going to the playoffs by, by a pretty big margin. They, they've been really good on defense, really good on offense. They can throw the ball. They can run the ball. They can do everything. I don't know how you go 21 days without playing football which is what they've their starters have essentially done. They're going to be rusty, and they're going up against a Texans team that is basically on a heater at this point and really only had a drop-off when C.J. Stroud got hurt. I think that the Texans could make a run at the Ravens. I don't expect them to. Like, I won't put money on that. But um, <laughs> I, 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 So I'd pick the Ravens, 49ers, and the Lions, so I'll win their games. And um, I guess we'll talk about it a little bit later, my prediction for the Bills, but I, I do have a take on that as well. Sounds good. Yeah, let's move into this one. And I, I kind of agree. I was sitting there last night in bed, and I'm like, I'm probably going to pick all the favorites this week. But, like, <laughs> should I? Like, I, I know that's not how it's going to turn out. So there's going to be something that happens. But maybe maybe you're right. I know I know that uh, there's a kind of a difference in talent between these teams. You look at the Packers very – and I'll say Jordan Love watching him. I mean, that was probably – He was great. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy Josh Allen watching him in person and doing all that. But Jordan Love's performance, I mean, it was probably f- – from. Uh, especially how he started this season and how he's kind of just evolved so quickly. Mm. It's just, it was just really impressive. So shout out to Jordan Love. This injury report now, uh, Uber, we're, we're looking at a, a lengthy one. Uh, the Bills, you know, they did get the win against Pittsburgh, but they did suffer some injuries. I'm going to read it off to you. I know McDermott's probably speaking soon. Actually, yeah, they're, they're all speaking right now as, as we speak, as we record this. Um, so they'll probably get more injury updates later today. But as of now, this is what it looked like on Wednesday. Josh Allen still listed with that neck injury was full. Then we have some three big ones coming up here. Christian Benford with a knee did not practice Wednesday. Terrell Bernard ankle did not practice Wednesday. Gabe Davis knee did not practice uh, Wednesday. So those three guys, Sean McDermott kind of said, you know, day by day. He usually says day to day. And I I know that's not like a big thing, but he did say Mm -hmm. day by day, which I thought was interesting. He's never really used that. Like he, he said the by and two, like day by day, day to day. So I don't really know what he meant by that. Uh, Terrell Dodson Mm -hmm. limited with a shoulder. Razul Douglas knee limited. I do expect both of them to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Leonard Floyd, Bat Ross, don't worry about it, did not practice. Micah Hyde still listed with that neck, but he fu- he was in full. Teron Johnson, banged up Bills, did a great you know little segment about that on Twitter, talking about how Teron Johnson really returns fast from concussions, and him being limited on Wednesday is a very, very good sign for his status on Sunday. So I do kind of expect him to play too. Don't take my word for that, but I do expect him to play. And then Sam Martin did not practice with a left hamstring. Von Miller, about rest, did not practice. And then a rap inspector with a calf and back injury, both did not practice. So a lot of injuries I just ran through here, Uber. Uh, do you expect, like, well, let's look at Bernard davis Brentford. Like, of those three guys, like, do you expect any of those three guys to go? And if not, and we'll get to this Bills-Chiefs matchup next, who do you need? Who do you think needs to step up? Um, yeah, Bernard Davis and Benford is it's, that was a really difficult ones, right? Like when Bernard got hurt, I thought the, I thought the season was over and now yeah. they're saying it's just a sprained ankle or they're, they're alluding to that. Essentially, if, if Bernard can't come back this week, hopefully the Bills can find a way to win this game. He come, come, he can come back next week because he is so important to this team, not just when the play is in process, but prior to the play, he's just incredible to watch as he's basically moving around the defensive line, the linebackers, the DBs. Like he is phenomenal pre-snap as well. I, I don't 
think I expect him back this week, but I hope he surprises me. Um, Gabe and Benford, like their knee injuries, I don't know how serious these are. And knee injuries are so tricky, right? Especially right. for a cornerback that has to adjust to the way that the defenders are or the, the receivers are moving on him. I would think Benford might be out. And then Gabe Davis, he probably is out too, in my opinion. The good news for Buffalo when it comes to Benford and Davis is, like we spoke about earlier, like Khalil Shakir has been a really solid wide receiver too. And Trent Shurfield kind of slots into that blocking receiver role for the Bills. So they do have enough depth there where they're okay. I'd prefer Davis back, but they're okay without him. As for Christian Benford, like Dane Jackson played really well against the Steelers and actually has played really well whenever called upon in a Bills jersey. And then Kyrie Elam, like he's man he's such a wild card like he can be really really good or really really bad so it's almost like you put him on the field he's probably going to pick off Patrick Mahomes or he's going to give up a touchdown like one of those two things is going to happen if you get the good like Kyrie Elam could be a great player to have on the field this weekend if you get the bad we might be in big trouble so I I I think that Benford and Davis we can survive without not that I want to uh Terrell Bernard yeah, man, that's just such a massive loss. And, and and to lose Bernard and Milano in the same season just stinks. Yeah, let's set the stage for this now. We're going to go full Bills versus Chiefs preview here. Mm-hmm. So the Bills, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, 3-3 three and three against each other in their career. Uh, I said it earlier, Mahomes has owned Allen in the postseason, 2-0 and oh in their matchups. Allen's had success against Mahomes in the regular season. It's kind of been this, you know, third time they've met in four years. So there's kind of this big rivalry now building. I do keep receipts. I do remember, and I'm sure a lot of Bills fans remember Patrick Mahomes last year saying how he would, you know, rather play the bank or the Bills because he thinks they're the easier matchup. So we'll see if that comes to some karma bites in there. And that, that you know, going into this year, that kind of changes. So I thought that was interesting that he thought that last year. Now with the Bengals out of it with Joe Burrow getting hurt, that's not really much of a discussion at this point. But it's still funny that he did mention that. So. Yeah, Bills Chiefs, I mean, round three, Sean McDermott, big game for him. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job down the stretch here. I think, you know, all that skepticism. I know we all haven't talked about him in the show because I feel like I've been talking about him so much the last few weeks. But I just want to shout him out real quick again, holding a Steelers team to 17 points. He's averaged – or he's allowed – his defense has allowed 16.8 points per game over the last six. I expect that to possibly continue against a Chiefs offense who did find a rhythm against the Dolphins last week in that 26-7 to victory. But – they still have that trouble in the red zone area. And I think that's where the bills can maybe get this done. So let's start there. Uber this chiefs offense. I think they have players. I think Rasheed rice is really coming to his own. The rookie from SMU, very good separator, even though he was not supposed to be, I think he does get good separation, very physical can get yards after the catch. Good possession guy, Travis Kelsey. I think he has regressed. I don't know if people are talking mm-hmm. about as much, but he has. I've watched Chiefs games. He's not the same Travis Kelsey. He's had drop issues. I don't see the explosion after the catch over the middle of the field as much as I have this year. And then you have, like, the gadget guys, Kadarius Tony, McCole Hardman. Sky Moore was activated. To the, you know, His 21-day practice window opened up. And then you look at the uh, – you know, Christian Watson, actually, is a guy that does make some big plays for them, the tight end. So, not Christian Watson. Is it Christian Watson? Nick. Nick, are you talking about Nick Bolt or not Nick Bolt? Noah not, Gray, not Noah Gray. He's the chief. Oh, the other one, Chiefs tight end. Um, I have, well, I have the depth chart open. What am I doing? Um, what is his name? Yeah, maybe it is Noah Gray. No, it's not. Noah okay, Gray. yeah. Is it a receiver? No, I'm losing it. No, Justin Watson. That's who it is. Yeah, Justin Watson. Oh, Justin Watson. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. kind of stepped up and made some big plays for them as well. So. Talk about what this Bills defense is going to have to do. Let's say they're shorthanded, no Bernard. You're probably going to have 
Dotson out there with Spotter, Dorian Williams. Who knows what they do? If they do dime, if they do more DBs, they put try to put if Taylor Rapp can go, I don't know, Cam Lewis out there. What do you think the Bills defense needs to do in this game to limit Patrick Mahomes in, you know, they're they're 20 or they're six and all this year, but they scored 21 or more points. So what do you think? Yeah, so this is gonna sound like a really odd take. Um, I think with the Steelers game, for instance, here's what I needed the Bills to do. Hop out to a 14 to nothing lead, and that's what they did. Right. And the reason I wanted that to happen more than anything, obviously being up 14 is great, but it forces the Steelers now to throw the ball, takes them out of the run game a little bit, right, with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Um, the Bills were able to do that against the Steelers, and actually I think the Steelers abandoned the run a little bit too much. They should have kind of just kept feeding that. I kind of need the Bills to do the same thing against the Chiefs, and it's not because I necessarily fear the Chiefs' run game more than I fear the Steelers' run game, because um, I very clearly fear the Chiefs' passing game more than I fear this the Steelers' passing game. I need them to do that because I need them to make the Chiefs one-dimensional because of the injuries the Bills have. If the Bills can set up a situation where they know the Chiefs have to throw the ball, where Patrick Mahomes has to drop back in the pocket and find a guy open downfield, then what you were saying, you mentioned dime before, then the Bills can go dime. And that makes their lives much easier. If the Bills have to sit in their nickel, which is their basically their base defense, you're looking at Tyrell Dodson and probably, you know, AJ Klein, Balen Spector, one of those guys on the field. And those guys just aren't great pass defenders, right? Tyrell Dodson fits the run really well. AJ Klein at this current point in his career, he can fit the run, blitz a little bit, but he's not that great in pass He's yeah, he's yes, exactly. And and Balen Specter is a uh, a bit of an unknown. He is athletic. Like if you go look at his RAS scores, they kind of jump jump off the screen at you. You'd be surprised by what you see. Um, but he's a seventh round pick for a reason. I don't really know what he is. So if the Bills can set up a situation where, say, they have Tyrell Dodson is going to be their, their linebacker, and then they're going to pull Jordan Poyer down from safety, put him as the other pseudo linebacker, and then throw Taylor Rapp in. Now, suddenly the Bills defense can slow down that passing game of the Chiefs because it's really a regress. Travis Kelsey, I'm, I'm with you on that. He isn't the player he once was, although the Associated Press deemed him fit to be an all-pro tight end. Um, and then the receivers are can can be good they're not great uh, i don't even know if good's a fair fair adjective for them right. like rasheed rice looks solid justin watson can do something Kadarius tony can can cause penalties um for himself <laughs> and then sky Moore, maybe he comes back so you have with all the injuries the bills have as long as they can get tyrell dodson back which is kind of crazy for me to say and and teron johnson i think they have a way to slow down the Chiefs defense, if they can make them one dimensional, if they can't, that Terrell Bernard injury is going to be, I don't know. It might be too much to overcome. I'm not saying that's what I'm picking, but it's going to be difficult without Bernard. Yeah. Bernard. I mean, Bernard really in Bill's chat podcast shout out to them. They had a great tweet. Like we're sitting here and Bill's fans are you know stressed out about, you know, Terrell Dodson's availability uh, late in the season and, and Terrell Bernard. And it's just funny how it's kind of come down to that, but that's just, you know, kind of the epitome of this Sean McDermott era is guys just continue to step up. You trade for Azul yeah. Douglas from green Bay. He slides right into that CB one role. Like they never even lost Trey white. Mm. Uh, it's just pretty incredible. What Sean McDermott again, Bobby Babish, John Butler, that whole defensive staff just does a great, great job. Eric Walker, they're all just great. So they, I, I am already to Uber. I think they do have some limitations without Bernard out there, obviously, but, I agree that they need to make him more dimensional. I think Pacheco brings an added juice to this offense. And mm -hmm. I think I know uh, I saw Greg Thompson, Aaron Quinn's uh, clip from their show this week. And they were talking about like how Isaiah Pacheco runs like this or runs like <laughs> that. And it was pretty funny because there's so many things that he kind of looks like when he runs because he has such a unique kind of running style. Yeah. But 
What do the Bills have to do? Because I want to ask you this, because it is going to be a focus, and I think the Chiefs are better with this guy in the lineup. Last matchup, he was not out there. And I know Daquan Jones wasn't out there either, and you, you talked about that on Twitter earlier today. But what are the Bills going to have to do to stop Isaiah Pacheco? Because if you can't, there's no chance that they can make them a one-dimensional one football team like yeah. you want them like you want to. yeah so isaiah pacheco like so back when the bills played them in week 14 i i think i tweeted this out and it pissed off some chiefs fans i don't think i'm wrong isaiah pacheco's <laughs> been the chief's most consistent offensive player this year like when he's on the field i know what i'm gonna get out of him i'm gonna get four yards of carry he's gonna plow some people over he's gonna break a Decently big run here and there, but he's going to keep the sticks moving. The Chiefs not having him was gigantic uh, in, in that matchup, and now they have him, and what are the Bills going to do when they might be missing their uh, LB1, LB2, LB3, maybe LB4 if, if Baylen Spector can't go? It's going to be difficult to stop him, but you mentioned Daquan Jones, and I had tweeted that out earlier. I think he's a massive addition for the Bills. I, I do think the Isaiah Pacheco addition is bigger than the Daquan Jones addition just because of how the – the Chiefs offense has played without Pacheco and how the Bills defense has played without Daquan. That's not saying anything negative about Daquan Jones. I'm stoked we have him back. He's phenomenal. I think the Bills have to win up front. I, I think they have to rely on Ed Oliver to play at an all pro level. You have to rely on Daquan Jones to be a force and soak up blockers and leave players like AJ Klein and hopefully Tyrell Dodson clean behind them. And then you need the Bills safeties to come downhill and make tackles or their corners to come downhill and make like. It's going to be a, a entirely, completely team-oriented defense, which is nothing new with Sean McDermott. You, you make a great point. It's always next man up with Sean McDermott. Regardless of injuries, he somehow finds a way to uh, to, to make his team perform. And, and to a point where I, I guess I'll kind of end this rant that I have right now with, with, a, with a statement that I think may – I don't know, it might piss some fans off. If the Bills didn't have a defensive-minded head coach this season – they wouldn't be in the playoffs. Like it's because they had a defensive minded head coach that was able to pick up a defense that didn't have all the talent on the field. That's the reason they're in the playoffs. It's it's because of Sean McDermott and what he's done with this defense the past six weeks. Yeah. You can argue to me like, and I'll always give people the benefit of the doubt with, you mm. know, cause people have opinions. And I think that Sean McDermott, you can come to me and say like, I don't know if he's a head coach and can get them over the hump. Like, sure. Like, yeah, yeah, he's never done it. So obviously that's the case. That doesn't mean he can't do it, but obviously mm -hmm. that's the case. But you can't – if you ever come out to me and say that Sean McDermott doesn't understand defensive, you know, schemes or how to make players better or improve players or, you know, understand – and maybe he does struggle in the big moment too defensively at times. But this year with Sean McDermott, although he showed at times earlier in the year the Eagles-Patriots game where the defense kind of just disappeared Humble. towards the end of the game, he has adjusted and there has been – you have seen more <laughs> – like, well, let's say Frazier when that stuff happened. You felt like it just would never – Every time that situation happened or every time that mm. happened, you felt like Leslie Frazier could never figure it out. Sean McDermott seems like he has figured it out in a sense. So, again, Professor McDermott, I'm, I'm sitting here back to talk about McDermott. But if you do think – if you do have a little issues with McDermott, I can understand where you're coming from. So don't think I'm, like, totally like – Sean McDermott's the best thing never happened. Yeah. I do understand that. There's some negatives about him, too. I, I just 100% agree with you. And I, I've been a Sean McDermott stand for a long time, but there were points this season where I started to question, um, you know, his job security and, and whether or not he was the guy for the Bills. Right now, I'm pretty confident in him. Um, if he finds a way to get this defense to perform despite all of its injuries against a team like the Chiefs, uh, my confidence might be at an all-time high after this game, regardless of what happens uh, the remainder of the playoffs. But yeah, I, I mean, he deserves his flowers, his kudos, his props uh, for what he's done the past few weeks. And, and, and the people that don't want to give him those things right now 
are just people that have a vendetta for issues in the past, which there were legit issues in the past. But I think at some point you have to let that stuff go. And like I said, if he finds a way this weekend to slow down the, the Chiefs defense despite his injuries, yeah, he deserves all the credit in the world. I'm just going to take a look at this Chiefs injury report really quick. Just a few mm-hmm. names to monitor. They're they're a pretty healthy football team right now. But Sky Moore, like I said, his 21-day practice window opened up. He's on IR. He was limited on Wednesday. Kadarius Tony was limited with a hip and ankle. Legarius Sneed was limited with a calf. Nick Bolton, the stud linebacker, was uh, limited with a – or it was full, actually, with a wrist injury. And then Rasheed Rice hamstring was full as well. So nothing really monitored there, but just wanted to give you listeners just a little – uh, tidbit of what the Chiefs injuries are looking like. Let's look to the offense now, Uber. Uh, this offense, this Bills offense, we've talked about it all show, kind of the Shakir, Dick Kincaid, uh, Diggs. If they don't have Davis, it's uh, it's a loss, but like you said earlier, he is. Like, they can do without him. It's okay. Like, they're going to be able mm-hmm. to score points. This Chiefs defense, though, I just want to mention a few guys here. I mean, their, their corners are, are very good. LeJarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie. You have Justin Reed and Mike Edwards in the back end. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, two good linebackers that have played well with each other the last couple of years. They really are, are able to play off of each other. And then George Karlaftis, the defensive end, has had a really good season. And then obviously Chris Jones, the stud defensive tackle, who I think still is playing really yeah. good football. What is this Bills offense going to have to do to have success against this Chiefs defense, who, again, it might be about always Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but an underrated matchup in this is the Chiefs defense against the Bills defense. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the Chiefs defense finished the season ranked seventh in the NFL, like in DVOA, defensive DVOA. So, this, so they're legitimately good for a lot of reasons. They can stop the run, they can stop the pass. So what do the Bills have to do to beat the Chiefs this week? And and this is so simple and such a stupid thing that I, like we have to say every single week, but win the turnover battle, obviously. Uh, Josh needs to play like he did against the Steelers. Keep protect the ball don't put the ball in harm's way because that's what Steve Sagnolo is going to try to do is force Josh to make one of those stupid mistakes and change the game and 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 that's basically the way the Bills lose this game is if Josh has two three four turnovers if he has one turnover I'll live with it because that means he's still being aggressive um but with one turnover you know he probably expects three four touchdowns from him I, when it comes to actual game planning right in my head I want to say run the ball down their throats use James Cook use Ty Johnson Use Josh Allen, uh, whether those are design runs or scrambles, do that. I I think it's going to be more that the tight ends and the running backs yet again, like out of the backfield, catching the ball. And and I think they can use Dalton K. They can use Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox always has good games against the Chiefs. So maybe that continues this week. And I think they can get those safeties to creep a little bit. So you can keep hitting underneath, whether that's to, like I said, Cook, Kincaid, or Knox, and wait and wait and wait for those safeties to creep. You you have uh, Justin Reed, who's a very good safety, but Mike Edwards is their backup. Brian Cook's their starter. He's on IR. He's not going to play. So you can force Mike Edwards to kind of creep, creep, creep. And if he steps too far into the box, that's when you look for Stephon Diggs to go eat up a Trent McDuffie, who's a very good corner, but he's still young. And Stephon Diggs has some tricks up his sleeve where he can beat a player like that. So there's ways the Bills can be successful, but it ultimately always comes down to, do they turn the ball over? If they don't, this is a game that the Bills not only could win, but should win. Yeah, the great key to the game. I'll just take that as your key to the game because I was just going to move to that segment, but that's kind of, yeah. I'll give you that one. That, that's your key to the game, not turn the ball over, all, all that great stuff you just said. I also, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I want to focus on the offensive side of the ball too. I think avoiding third 
in seven to 10, mm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. that against a Steve Spagnuolo defense that will bring the pressure. And I think I know Josh has had success against the Blitz this year and the covers year and they've had success, but that Dolphins game that they put on film a couple of weeks ago where the Dolphins were sending a lot of pressure, Allen did oh, yeah. have trouble at times. Now he did figure it out. He had the fadeaway ball, the digs right in the bread basket. He had the, a, a couple of other, a, a couple uh, nice throws as well there in that game. But this bills offense, I think they have to avoid the third and longs because Steve Spagnuolo does a really good job of getting his team off the field in those situations and bringing the pressure, making the quarterback uncomfortable. And I think this Bills offense, again, if they want to win this game and we'll get the predictions here right next, this is my key is the defense needs to either, or special teams, they need to make a big play in the first half. Like you said, you want them to get out to a fast start. I think the defense needs to get a turnover, draw a fumble. And I know I don't really trust those outside receivers, Tony with the, like, be aggressive, mm-hmm. punch at the football. You know you're, you're you know you know you don't have a lot of your starters out there, so you have a lot of depth guys out there. Get off the field, block a punt, do something that turns momentum in this game on the defensive side of the ball or special teams to give your offense a short field, so you can get that fast start. Um, so Uber, we've went through it all. We talked about defense, offense, injury reports, uh, all all the fun stuff. What is your prediction for Bills versus Chiefs round three? Can the Bills get past the hump that they've not been able to overcome? Yeah, so so I don't I don't have a score in my head yet. I do have how I think the Bills win, or not why I think the Bills will win, or or why they'll lose. So I'm going to name five players quick: Razul Douglas, Tyrell Dodson, Terrell Bernard, Teron Johnson, and Taylor Rapp. Five players right there. The Bills need two of them. They need two of them. If they have two of those guys back on the field this week and they win the game, if they don't have two of those guys, they lose the game. And and like we said earlier, talking about injury report, Razul Douglas and Tyrell Dodson look like they might play this weekend, probably going to play. If they get those two players back, I think the Bills kind of move on to the AFC Championship and play the Ravens. If they don't get two of those five players back, say they just get one, I, I don't know how they win this football game. Yeah, I'm going to go. So I'm going to say that Teron Johnson's playing. I'm going to say that uh, Douglas is playing and Dodson. So I'll say three of those guys. So for your instance, that would mean a win for the Bills because that's kind of what you're – those five players. And I I agree. They're very, very important. Um, I have the Bills, and I – you know, I've picked – so the last stretch of the year, so I picked them to lose to the Chiefs early in the season. I picked them to lose to the Cowboys early in the season. I picked them to lose to the Dolphins in week four, and I picked them – I think I, I I think I picked them to win out. I think they had them beat Miami. I picked them last week against Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with the win here again. I think the Bills, their confidence. I think Josh Allen in the presser yesterday, the quote he dropped. I, I thought earlier in the press conference he handled it well. He's like, oh, I'm just happy it's another game. But then he was like, they're at the top of the mountain. They're the team that mm. has been there. We're the team that hasn't gotten there. I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Like you could feel that he knows this moment, even though if he doesn't want to show it and he kind of slipped up, which I thought was cool because he showed that real raw kind of emotion in that moment Mm. where you usually don't see that from Josh. He kind of plays everything down. So I think Josh knows the stakes. It's in front of the bills home crowd. I think that's an advantage. Patrick Mahomes, again, it's his first real playoff game. So that plays a factor here, Um, whether you want to admit it or not. Patrick Mahomes is probably feeling some nerves going to Buffalo. Yeah. And I know he does it at the highest level. And like you said earlier, Uber, probably the greatest quarterback talent of all time so far. And if mm-hmm. he continues his trend, he will be. So I had the Bills win this one 28-27. I'm going to go with a nice close game. I think the Bills, again, if they can cause some havoc in the first half to get some short fields for their offense, if they can not turn the ball over like you mentioned, Uber, and if they can, if they're able to Take time off the clock. These long sustained drives, I think, are also an important factor because I think, you know, the quick hitting touchdowns would be fine. Like, I would love a 14 nothing start with 
seven minutes left in the first quarter. But yeah. at that same time, there's still seven minutes left in the first quarter, and you just got Patrick Mahomes on the other side. So this Bills-Chiefs game, I mean, it's going to be a fun one. Bills Mafia is going to show out. I guarantee it. I knew there was energy last week, but a lot of people I interviewed were talking already about the Chiefs and kind of looking past it, and now it's here. So, Uber, plug what you do, what you got coming up. And, uh, again, I thank you for joining me, and this has been a great show. Yeah, so uh, I got tomorrow, actually tomorrow morning, I'll tweet it out. It's over on cover1.net. It'll be the Bills-Chiefs matchup preview, like I alluded to earlier. It's a 3,000-word or more. I don't know how long this one will actually be. Behemoth uh, detailing everything I can about this this matchup between the Bills and the Chiefs, one I'm super excited for. So that comes out tomorrow. Uh, I actually have my my own show on Mondays, Cover 1. Uh, what am I doing right now? Yeah, Roundup, Cover 1. Roundup. Is it the roundup? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm I'm broken right now. It's on Mondays at seven o'clock. I can't remember the name of my own show. Um, but yeah, so so that's on Mondays. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be writing during the off season, but I really hope we don't get to the off season. And what, one last thing, I just want to say real quick. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. But you you made a massive point. This Bills crowd, I expect this Bills crowd to be the loudest we've ever heard it. When Patrick Mahomes steps on the field the first yeah. time, I expect this this that stadium to shake, that crowd to be so loud to a point where Mahomes can't can't hear. I, I, just real quick, the first game I ever went to in Buffalo, I had been to games at, at MetLife and and down in Jersey. I'm not from Buffalo, so I, I I live about four hours away. First game I ever went to, the Bills were playing the Dolphins, and Ryan Tannehill was still their quarterback. Uh, on the very first play of the game, I had never heard something so loud in my life. The Bills stadium was going nuts. And on the very first play of the game, the center snapped the ball over Ryan Tannehill's head because it was so loud in that freaking stadium. I expect that level of noise times 10 against the Chiefs this weekend in, in Orchard Park. Uber, 100% correct. Again, thanks for coming on. It's what everyone has been waiting for, not just Bills fans, not just Chiefs fans, but the entire NFL. It's Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, round three. I will be with you guys next week for another show with, of Ages Analysis. I hope I'm talking an AFC championship preview, either home against the Texans or away against the Ravens, which again, will be another, either way, they're going to be great games uh, if the Bills are able to advance. If not, I'll kind of be recapping the season, talking about the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride, Sean McDermott, what, what's he looking for, you know, moving forward here and this Bills team moving forward. So again, thank you all for listening and I will see all of you next week.